Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast is brought to you by Hunter Killer. Hunter Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episodes or boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve the ongoing murder mystery. You can sign up today by visiting truecrimeneverslipspodcast.com slash huntakiller. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the all-new True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Join us every week this season as we dive into the life and crimes of serial killers. From the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, to the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. My name is Larry Lease, and I'm your host, Hope everyone is staying safe during this pandemic. Now, with further ado, we will turn our ears to the dark story of the Golden State Killer. The so-called Golden State Killer is an American serial killer, serial rapist, and burglar who committed 13 murders, 50 rapes, and 120 burglaries across California between 1973 and 1986. And don't be shocked when I say he was a former police officer. Yes, a former police officer. Joseph James D'Angelo was born on November 8th, 1945, in Bath, New York, to Joseph James D'Angelo Sr., a sergeant in the United States Army, and Kathleen Louise DeGroat. He has two younger sisters and a younger brother. A relative reported that when D'Angelo was a young child... He witnessed his seven-year-old sister's rape by two airmen in a warehouse in West Germany, where the family was stationed at the time. Following his conviction, one of D'Angelo's sisters claimed that he was abused by their father while he was growing up. This might be the reason for turning his life into a cold-blooded crime novel. Speaking about his police life, from May 1973 to August 1976, he was a burglary unit police officer in Exeter, a town of about 5,000 people near Visalia. Having relocated from Citrus Heights, he then served in Auburn from August 1976 to July 1979. Here was it all started. When he was arrested for shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent, he was sentenced to six months probation and fired that October. During the process of being fired from the city, D'Angelo threatened to kill the chief of police and allegedly stalked the chief's house. The notorious Golden State Killer was behind serial rapes and murders across California in the 1970s and 1980s, but decades passed before a suspect was identified. In 2018, Joseph D'Angelo was arrested. 
this summer, past summer, the 74-year-old former police officer pleaded guilty to 13 counts of first-degree murder. And in August, he was confronted by his victims and their family members in court. Now let's have a small look on his case histories, which entitled him to the so-called the Golden State Killer. Police say the Golden State Killer has committed at least 12 murders, 45 rapes, and hundreds of home break-ins all over California. So here's where Joseph D'Angelo Jr. started. Janelle Cruz's parents were away on vacation on the night of May 3rd, 1986. Cruz was an 18-year-old restaurant worker. She invited a friend over, who later recalled being startled at least twice by strange noises outside and in the garage. But the teenager, described her by her family as a kind-hearted, beautiful girl, just at the start of adulthood, dismissed the sounds, and her friend left near midnight. The next morning, a real estate agent coming to show the home discovered Cruz in her bedroom. She'd been raped and bludgeoned to death. Her teeth shattered, and her face bloodied beyond recognition. There were tennis shoe prints in the soil outside the house, and a heavy wrench missing from the backyard. Investigators initially homed in on the last people to see Cruz alive and her former boyfriends, but the case went cold. Although police assembled a rape rape kit, DNA testing of crime scene evidence was in its infancy, and the kit was placed in storage for many years. Meanwhile, the Cruz family tried to get on with their lives, but the thought of Janelle's killer walking free terrorized them. I haven't been home alone in my house for 32 years, says Michelle Cruz White, Janelle's younger sister. I've been living in fear, and my mom too. They didn't know it in 1986, but Janelle was the last known victim of the Golden State Killer, ending the decade-long crime spree of one of the most sadistic serial killers and rapists in American history. Since the early 1970s, an unknown unknown assailant had been terrorizing various parts of California, from Sacramento to south of Los Angeles, earning him different nicknames in each crime spree. The Visalia Ransacker, the East Area Rapist, and the original Night Stalker. It wasn't until the advent of DNA testing that law enforcement realized they were dealing with a single perpetrator. And even then, it took another two decades to find them. This is a piece of our history that generations of investigators have worked towards, says Sacramento County Sheriff's Department Sergeant Shauna Hampton. On June 18, 1976, a masked intruder broke into the bedroom of a 23-year-old woman who awoke to find him standing over her. Naked from the waist down, he bound her hands, stuffed a nightgown in her mouth, and raped her at knife point. After he left, she managed to dial 911 with her still bound hands. She was just first. Over the next 12 months, the man, who became known as the East Area Rapist, struck again and again, sometimes within days of a previous attack. He often selected single-story homes, accessed them by climbing through windows, and bound his victims' hands. He blinded women with a flashlight and threatened to kill them. There's something wrong with him. The first victim told the FBI years later, there's something not wired right for someone to do this continually. Newspaper headlines from the time illuminated the relentless and prolific nature of the attacker. Coordinated hunt will begin for attacker of 11 women. East Area Rapist claims 15th victim. No ID. Rapist strikes for 26 times. Still no clues. 
The case seeped into the daily lives of average Sacramento residents who started arming themselves with guns and baseball bats, buying guard dogs, and locking doors for the first time. David Caraccio, online news editor for the Sacramento Bee, remembers that when he was 12 years old, the East Area Rapist had struck a home near his. We jumped on our bikes out of curiosity. We checked out the home, he recalls. The news stories aren't exaggerating how big an impact it had, he said. The East Area Rapist, as he became known for short, also behaved in terrifying and sadistic ways. He took trophies from his victims, pieces of jewelry, cufflinks. Before he raped a 13-year-old girl, he placed dinner plates on the back of the girl's mother in a separate room and warned he would cut the daughter's fingers off if he heard the plates clatter. In a recorded call to one woman, a man believed to be the East Area Rapist whispered over and over again, Gonna kill you. Gonna kill you. And now we're going to take a short break and give you a preview of the second season of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. On the next season of True Crime Never Sleeps, we dive into some of the strangest disappearances in history. It all begins February 16th. Welcome back to our deep dive into the Golden State Killer. The killer raped over two dozen women by the time he committed his first known murder in 1978. Katie and Brian Maggiore, I believe is how you say his name, were out for a walk with their dog on the night of February 2nd, 1978, when they had a violent confrontation with a strange man. No one knows what was said, but by the end of it, both 20-year-old Katie and 21-year-old Brian were dead from gunshots. A man wearing a ski mask was seen fleeing by several witnesses. Katie had complained in the months before that a man was stalking her at her work. Her colleagues said someone called Katie repeatedly, saying, Your turn is coming. A strange man sitting in a blue Volkswagen would watch her for hours. After she had attempted to confront him, he drove off, only to return hours later. Katie quit her job soon afterwards. After the murder of Katie and Brian... The East Area Rapist moved his hunting grounds to nearby Contra Costa County, committing 20 more rapes before he killed again. This time, an osteopathic surgeon named Robert Offerman and his girlfriend, Alexandria Manning, were both bound and shot in Offerman's home. From there on, none of the victims were allowed to live. At the dawn of the 1980s, a perpetrator known as the original Night Stalker began killing in Santa Barbara, Ventura, and Orange County. He seemed to develop a new taste for raping women in front of their partners before executing them both. He murdered married couple Lyman and Charlene Smith, newlyweds Keith and Patty Harrington, and Sherry Domingo and her boyfriend Greg Sanchez. The Smiths were bludgeoned with a fireplace log. He also raped and killed a woman named Manuela Withoon while her husband was at a nearby hospital in 1981. Finally, in 1986, he raped and beat Janelle Cruz to death before disappearing without a trace for the next 32 years. The fact that the rapes and murders occurred sometimes hundreds of miles apart stymied investigators who were accustomed to going straight to the most likely suspects, spurned lovers, family members, or acquaintances of the deceased. The lack of DNA technology 
also meant law enforcement had much less to work with. We had an excellent investigators back in those days who worked really hard on the case, says Lieutenant Paul Belly, who has been assigned to the case since 2008. Nobody could have predicted that the Southern California cases were our guy. Janelle Cruz had been dead for a decade when it was discovered that the DNA sample from her body matched DNA from the Harringtons and Manuela Withoon. Over time, the DNA profile also matched with the Domino and Sanchez murders and the Smiths, as well as the two Contra Costa County rape cases from the late 1970s. Although law enforcement has had a DNA profile for the Golden State Killer for decades, a matching profile was never found in any national database, meaning the man had never been caught for a subsequent crime where his DNA would have been collected. Eventually, a task force joined all the affected jurisdictions together with the FBI to try to collaborate, offer more reward money, and send out a call for tips to the public. Although journalists and armchair detectives have been fascinated by the case and offered thousands of tips over the years, no suspect has ever matched the DNA profile until April 2018. We're going to take a short break to give you a taste of a true crime podcast called the Jury Room Podcast. Check it out today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Hi. Welcome to the Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review. On Wednesday, April 25th, Sacramento County District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert announced that 72-year-old James or Joseph James D'Angelo had been arrested and charged with the murders of the Smiths, the Harringtons, the Maggiores, Manuela Withoon, and Janelle Cruz, with additional indictments forthcoming. The night before, rumors ripped through the community of survivors and family members that an arrest has been made. The next morning, the lead detective on Cruz's case called Michelle Cruz White and their mother on speakerphone to deliver the news. I cried, I cried, says Cruz, said Cruz White. My mom's jaw dropped. She was in shock. The break came after Paul Holes, a retired investigator with the Contra Costa District Attorney's Office and longtime investigator on the case, searched a free do-it-yourself genealogy website called GED Match. According to the Sacramento Bee, the site is a place for people to find long-lost relatives and has a database of 800,000 DNA profiles. Sacramento District Attorney Chief Deputy Steve Grippy confirmed that a family member of D'Angelo's had used the service, and they were able to isolate him as a suspect and collect discarded DNA on two occasions. 
they finally had a match. We were looking for a needle in a haystack, and we found it, says District Attorney Schubert, who has had some role in the case since she was a Deputy District Attorney in 2000. Sheriff Scott Jones told the Sacramento Bee that D'Angelo was very surprised when he was arrested. Since the arrest, officers from all jurisdictions touched by the Golden State Killer flocked to the quiet street in Citrus Heights to begin an exhaustive search of the house. Speaking from outside the home, Lieutenant Belly said they are searching for any trophies the killer is believed to have collected from his victims over the years, as well as ski masks and firearms. We're trying to go through it, obviously, with a fine-tooth comb, he says. D'Angelo appeared in a Sacramento courtroom, for, sitting in a wheelchair dressed in an orange prison uniform, and spoke in a whisper. He did not enter a plea, and was assigned a public defender. It has not yet determined, determined if the case will be consolidated into a single jurisdiction, or whether the state will seek the death penalty. In the meantime, the Sacramento Sheriff's Department is calling for any additional sexual assault victims who may not have come forward at the time to contact law enforcement. This investigation will be gone will be ongoing for a very long time, says Sergeant Hampton. Michelle Cruz White choked up while speaking to the BBC by phone. But the first time she has broken down since finding out that her sister's rapist and murderer may have finally come to justice. She says she's finally able to process how the case has affected her, and the arrest has validated her decision two years ago to come out publicly and speak about the murder. But after this arrest, Cruz White says she will finally be able to relax for the first time in 32 years. All his secrets are going going to be told to the world. He can no longer hide and die in peace, she says. We did it, and he's where he needs to be. This case was one of the major cases that occurred in the history, forcing the FBI and local law enforcement agencies to announce a renewed nationwide effort offering a $50,000 reward for his capture. The result, this was also the first announcement connecting the Visalia ransacker crimes to D'Angelo. Owing to California's state of limitation, statute of limitations on pre-2017 rape cases, D'Angelo could not be charged with 1970s rapes but he was charged in August 2018 with 13 related kidnapping and abduction attempts. On June 29, 2020, D'Angelo pleaded guilty to multiple counts of murder and kidnapping. As part of a plea bargain that spared him the death penalty, D'Angelo also admitted to numerous crimes which which he had not been formally charged, including rapes. On August 21, 2020, D'Angelo was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. With that being said, I conclude today's episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the season finale of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Join us February 16th for the season two premiere, where we dive into the strangest disappearances and kidnappings that have occurred across the world. If you enjoy this episode and the other episodes, consider supporting us by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. If you'd like to add anything else to this episode that I may have missed, send us a tweet at TrueCrimeNS. That's TrueCrimeNS. Like us on Facebook. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. And once again, we'd like to thank Hunter Killer for sponsoring this episode. 
find out more about Hunter Killer by visiting True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast dot com slash Hunter Killer. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Tune in next week for an all-new episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.